48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Bill Robertson. The top stories, the Labour Secretary warns of a steep rise in Hong Kong's unemployment rate. The mainland reports a sharp fall in new coronavirus cases, though South Korea sees a spike in infections. And the head of the WHO says the world is at a tipping point as more coronavirus cases appear outside China. Labour and Welfare Secretary Lo Chi Kuang says the coronavirus outbreak could result in nearly half as many more people being out of work, with Hong Kong's unemployment rate possibly rising to 5% from 3.4% now. Yesterday, legislators approved $30 billion in funding for the government's virus relief package. Mr Law said its aim was to keep people in work. In this anti-epidemic fund, it's basically trying to help the employers to maintain their business as far as possible. And if they can maintain the business, then the employment can continue instead of closing down or firing uh, their own staff. So by the time when the epidemic is over, then these enterprises can be bounced back very quickly. So that is the basic idea. We hope that uh, we can help them. Representatives from several industry groups have welcomed the anti-epidemic package. Liberal Party lawmaker Tommy Jung, who represents the catering sector, said many restaurants hardly had any customers and the subsidies could be used to pay staff salaries. His party colleague, transport sector lawmaker Frankie Yick, said it would provide relief to those with no cash flow. But I cannot say a lot, but definitely it helps, especially uh, some of the uh, sectors within the transport trade. Basically, they have low income right now, but they still have to pay rent, they still have to pay the mortgage, everything, and also the salary payment. So uh, the subsidies by the government right now, it will help a bit, of course, but it cannot totally resolve the problem. So we are putting our eyes on the upcoming uh, budget. Hopefully, uh, that will have some more relief measures to be introduced. Health authorities on the mainland say the number of new coronavirus cases there has fallen sharply to 397. Robert Kemp reports. The figure is less than half of the 889 new cases reported yesterday. But the mainland's National Health Commission said 109 people had died from the disease. That's slightly lower than yesterday's death toll of 118 and takes the total to 2,345. All but three of the new fatalities were in the epicentre of Hubei province. The others were in Hebei, Shanghai and Xinjiang. The mainland has now reported 76,288 cases in total. But there has been another sharp rise in coronavirus infections in South Korea, the country worst affected by the disease after China. The number of infections has increased to almost 350. That's close to double the previous total. As the BBC's Laura Bicker reports, many of the cases are centred around the city of Daegu. The concern for health officials in South Korea is that 92 of the new coronavirus patients caught it while being treated or working in a hospital near Daegu. The Chongdo Denam Hospital treats long-term mentally ill and elderly patients who are already vulnerable. Two people have died. Five nurses and a paramedic have also contracted the virus. Thousands of members of the Shinjongju Church had visited the hospital over several days to attend a funeral. All 9,000 church members will be quarantined and over 500 of them have told officials they have symptoms of the virus. The head of the World Health Organization is warning that the world is at a tipping point with respect to the coronavirus outbreak. The surge in cases in South Korea and new infections in Italy and Iran have added worries that the outbreak could spin out of control, with Lebanon and Israel also reporting cases for the first time. 
Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus said the window of opportunity to contain the virus is narrowing. It's in our hands now. If we do well within the narrowing window of opportunity, we can avert any serious crisis. If we don't, if we squander the opportunity, then there is a serious problem. There will be a serious problem in our hands. Iran has now confirmed 18 cases in three cities with four fatalities, and Mr. Ghebreyesus says help is on the way. WHO has supplied testing kits and will continue to provide further support. We're getting information, but we have to engage them even, even more because in two cases, having 18 cases and four days in our hands is serious. Officials in northern Italy have confirmed 14 infections and decided to close schools, offices and sports venues in the affected area. Italian journalist Giada Zampano has more. From what we know right now, uh, the first patient who got uh, infected is a 38-year-old man who is now in intensive care in pretty serious conditions, who fell ill after meeting a friend, another manager, uh, who had recently been in China and who came back from China probably around uh, 20 days a month ago. So this is the first case of local transmission of the virus in Italy, and this is the first, uh, you know, big outbreak uh, after the three cases uh, which were uh, checked and registered in, uh, in Rome. Meanwhile, Italy's health minister says a 78-year-old Italian who had tested positive for the coronavirus has died. The front-runner for the Democratic Party's presidential nomination, Bernie Sanders, has told Russia to stay out of American elections. Mr Sanders was responding to a Washington Post report that US officials had told him Moscow was trying to help his campaign. The newspaper said President Trump had also been informed. BBC's Chris Buckler in Washington assesses Mr Sanders' response. If you take a look at the statement from Bernie Sanders, there is something of acknowledgement there that Russia might be interfering. Here's what he said in the statement. He said, unlike Donald Trump, I do not consider Vladimir Putin a good friend. Let's be clear, the Russians want to undermine American democracy by dividing us up. And unlike the current president, I stand firmly against their efforts. Now, you could take that as an indication that Bernie Sanders doesn't believe that the president is doing enough to tackle these claims. And certainly he's been very vocal about it. Sport now and first to boxing, where anticipation is growing ahead of the world heavyweight title fight tomorrow in Las Vegas. The WBC champion Deontay Wilder faces the former world champion Tyson Fury in their eagerly awaited rematch 15 months after their controversial draw in Los Angeles. Both men remain unbeaten in their professional careers. BBC's Dan Roan reports from Las Vegas. It wouldn't be fight week in Vegas without the posturing, the posing and the promotion. But when push comes to shove in a city built on hype, there's a real sense that Tyson Fury's rematch against Deontay Wilder could just live up to the billing. 14 months ago, the first meeting produced an epic. Fury outboxing his opponent and then somehow surviving a ferocious 12th round knockdown before a controversial draw. Now these two unbeaten heavyweights have got it on again. I think this is the biggest fight of the last 50 years. I've got his number because he put me down and he couldn't keep me down. And that must be playing in his mind because everybody else is knocked out apart from the Gypsy King. So yeah, I'm coming for you, baby. 
But the bronze bomber is known as one of the hardest hitters in boxing history. Remarkably, 41 of the Americans' 43 victories coming by way of knockout. And now Wilder wants to cement his status as the dominant force in the division. This is the moment in time that we've all been waiting for. Um, the biggest fight of uh, both of our lives. Unfinished business, as I call it. And I can't wait. Here in the boxing capital of the world, there are hopes Fury Wilder 2 could break all pay-per-view records and return this division to the status it enjoyed during its glory days. This a rivalry breathing new life into the sport. And now with a preview of this weekend's English Premier League action, here's the BBC's Maz Faruqi. We're back to a full list of fixtures this weekend after the Premier League's first winter break in its history. And there are some big matches in the race for the top four and European Champions League qualification. Jose Mourinho, one of Chelsea's most successful managers, will be hoping to get one over his former side when his Tottenham team travelled to Stamford Bridge in the Saturday early game. But how much will a lack of fit forwards for Spurs impact their performance? Second place Manchester City, who cut the gap to the league leaders Liverpool to 22 points in midweek with a 2-0 win over West Ham. They're also in action on Saturday. They play at third place Leicester City, who could cut the gap to the Premier League champions to just a point with a win. Manchester United and Arsenal don't play until Sunday after their matches in the Europa League on Thursday. United are just three points behind fourth place Chelsea, but with a long-term injury to key player Marcus Rashford, they could also struggle in front of goal against Watford. The league leaders Liverpool don't play until Monday night when they host West Ham at Anfield, but now it's just a matter of when, not if, they'll lift this league title. BBC's Maz Faruqi there. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The Labour Secretary warns of a steep rise in Hong Kong's unemployment rate. The mainland reports a sharp fall in new coronavirus cases, though South Korea sees a spike in infections. And the head of the WHO says the world is at a tipping point as more coronavirus cases appear outside China. That's the news from RTHK. 5, 6, 7 a.m. Radio 3. And welcome to this week's edition of World Vibes with myself, Pierre Tremblay, with you till 3 p.m. This week we have two outstanding musical themes on offer. First, we rifle through the archives for music celebrating the upcoming Carnival slash Mardi Gras Festival happening in a lot of countries next week, Tuesday. Plus, hot new tracks from a lot of places on the planet. As always, Giovanotti says it so well in Italian. We're still the belly button of the world. And we start off with hot new tracks from a lot of places on the planet from Guess Where First. Yes, Italy with Emma. Full name, Emanuela Marrone. She's from Florence and she's been uh, recording since 2003. This hit on the charts is her second hit of her sixth studio album. The album is called Fortuna, Fortune. The track is called Stupida Allegria, Stupid Happiness. And she actually sang it as her opening song in this year's Festival di Sanremo 2020 as host. It was a medley on the live performance. This is the studio album version. She's also started her Fortuna Tour 2020 worldwide international tour as well. More on that later. So here's Emma and Stupida Alegria. Oh 
ovunque vado sento il tuo profumo addosso Quante le volte che ti ho dato per scontato E ti ritrovo in ogni ruga del mio volto E nel sapore di un ricordo che ho scordato E c'è un uomo per terra suona una chitarra Sembra quasi che a lui non importi di niente E delle volte quasi non ti riconosco Altre mi sembri quello che ho sempre cercato E siamo tutti e due dalla parte del torto E abbiamo entrambi il nostro cuore già spezzato C'è qualcuno che fischia da qualche finestra E colora le strade parlando di te Di te E già lo so, già lo so, già lo so che Quante le volte che ho sbagliato ti ho incolpato Per quelle cose per cui io non mi sopporto Ma di capirti non sono mai stata in grado Asciugo i pensieri come i panni stesi Ma perdo il filo se parlo di te Di te E già lo so, già lo so, già lo so Che tornerò, tornerò Regretting her stupida allegria, stupid happiness with a tinge of melancholy.